The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun. FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man who is loaded like a freight train and flying like an airplane. Here is the captain. Loaded, more like bloated. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week, we are very happy to be featuring Tiger Chainsaw Arms. Get ready for this powerful Belgian triple American IPA hybrid. Spicy flavor and aroma with citrusy hops and a gold medal winner to boot. This won a gold medal at the 2016 Alabama Craft Beer Championship. ABV 12%, so enjoy responsibly. Garage grade four out of five bottle caps. What a delicious treat. Yeah, B-double-E-double-R-U-N, Beer Run. Thank you all for supporting the garage and donating to the beer fund. You can do so at truecrimegarage.com. And while you're there, sign up for our bonus show code Off the Record. If you're not listening to it, you aren't nasty. And you're not our best friends in the whole entire world. Because that's the only way you can be our best friends is if you listen to Off the Record and Colonel, that's enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. This week in the garage, we have another missing persons case. These types of cases are so incredibly heartbreaking. For those of us not connected to the missing person or their loved ones, these cases are usually a real head-scratcher. Often, 
There may be a series of bizarre events or behaviors leading up to the poof moment, and then they are gone. We are left to try to make some sense out of these bizarre events and or behaviors as we try to crawl inside the mind of the missing person and sort it all out. For those closest, and especially the parents of the missing, these cases on an emotional level can be the most difficult to deal with because there is nothing in the way of any form of closure for the loved ones. They are left to deal with the endless torture of not knowing. A parent can grieve the physical loss of their child just as it would be with a murder case. The loved one is physically gone. But in a missing case, they are left with the added confusion of just what am I grieving? Should I be mourning the loss of my child, or should I be furious with them for leaving? For us, the unknown and the mysteries are intriguing and at times can be exciting, but for the loved ones, it's confusing, painful, and unacceptable. Nico Lisi is our missing person. He was 18 years old when he and a friend drove off in a vehicle that neither of them owned, leaving Nico's small hometown. The friend turned up later in Michigan, and Nico was seen in Tennessee. From there, he vanished. Did this young man, who was in trouble with the law and butting heads with his family, decide to hit the reset button and leave it all behind to start a new life? It's possible. In Nico's case, the police certainly thought so. But that was until a startling and worrisome find turned up five years later that seemed to point to foul play. This week, we are asking, where is Nico Lisi? This is True Crime Garage. In 2011, Nico Lisi was 18 and living at home with his mom, stepdad, and siblings in Jasper, which is in upstate New York near the Pennsylvania line. Well, technically, he was living at home, but during the events we're going to discuss, Nico had actually left his mom's house and was staying with relatives. But let's back up so we can take in the full view here. Nico came from a big family. He was the middle son of three boys born to Monica Button and her ex, whose name has not been released. The boys were in order, Joseph, known as Joe, then Nico, then Kerrigan. They were close in age and in brotherly bonds. Much later, after their parents split, Monica remarried and had a little girl who was only two years old when her big brother Nico vanished. Monica also came from a large close-knit family. She lived near her sister, her brother, and her mother. Her father had recently passed away. Her ex, which is Nico's father, lived 15 minutes away in Hornell, New York. The family was in constant contact with all members connected via phone and texting. Nico was no different. Although he was 18, he was in regular communication with everyone in his extended family. And that is something that's interesting and something that we need to take note of here. All involved say that this dude was in regular contact with 
not just his mother or his brothers or his father, but also extended family. And anytime you're talking about a missing person, it's important to know and have somewhat of an understanding of the type of communicator that they are. Yeah, I wouldn't consider Nico to be a loner by any stretch of the imagination. He seemed to be, I'd say, a family guy. Yes, he's he's often described as family-oriented. However, as we go through these events, we're going to see that he's starting to get into some trouble, maybe running around with the wrong crowd at some point. Right. So he's regarded as a very outdoorsy type. When he was young, he liked to play pretend Navy SEALs outside, and then he got into bow hunting. He was also a super sports kid who loved soccer, baseball, and wrestling, especially wrestling. He won a national championship at the young age of seven and then helped his high school to win two sectional championships, this before a neck injury his sophomore year, which ended his wrestling career. If you see pictures of Nico, and we'll post them on our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff at True Crime Garage. You're going to see that he is a fit boy. And in regard to this injury, it was something, Captain, from my understanding that the doctors said, hey, this is just too dangerous for you to continue with all this activity. And this was rather devastating news to Nico. This was a sport that he loved, that he excelled at, and he was no longer going to be able to participate in. And some people in his family point to this as possibly being the beginning, the genesis of what is ultimately a downward spiral for Nico, which is ultimately a downward spiral for Nico. Well, you've probably heard of people having some kind of head injury that makes them almost switch personalities. And I I almost feel like this head and neck injury area could could have caused Nico to kind of shift almost in personalities some have said that nico was the kind of kid who had swagger some called him brash we know that he was outgoing he was assertive he was very self-confident his mother his mother said that she always worried her son would get into trouble not because he was a bad kid but because he had sort of an untouchable attitude that could come across as arrogant and cocky he was the kind of dude that always spoke his mind whether people liked to hear it or not and he didn't like to back down from people. Now, despite this, Nico had a ton of friends and seemed to know lots of people. But Monica did her best to keep her boys on something of a tight leash. As a result, she says that Nico was family oriented and spent a lot of time at his own house, his grandmother's house and his uncle's house, which is outside of Addison, New York and at the homes of other various relatives. So this, again, showing how connected he is to this extended family. But Nico definitely also hung out with a friend network that was on the periphery. And some of these kids were less than desirable companions as far as Monica, his mother, was concerned. When they argued about this, Nico yelled at her, saying that he could pick his own friends, that she's not going to pick his friends. Another part of his personality, though, Captain, was Nico was always kind of the dude that bucked at anyone in a position of authority over him. And remember what I was saying a couple episodes ago. Don't just tell me three great things about the kid. Oh, he lit up a room. 
that's not always going to help in a situation when we're trying to find an individual that's missing. And what his mother said to us about Nico is he was a demanding child that he always had some kind of drama going on in his life mm-hmm. and that he was also mouthy and cocky. But one of those kids where he wouldn't be mouthy and cocky unless there was another person in the situation that was trying to be mouthy and cocky. He was going to then show you, hey, you think you're mouthy and cocky. I'm going to I'm going to show you up. I'm going to be even mouthier and cockier than you are. Well, and as we said, there's a bit of a shift, a big shift in Nico's life after he's forced out of wrestling. And now he's hanging out with the rough crowd. He quit playing baseball. He was going through a lot, man. His best friend had been killed in a car crash, and his grandfather, who he was very close with, had passed away around this time, too. So, Well, not to cut you off, but was the quitting of baseball due to the neck injury? Because I couldn't couldn't find that. But it seems like if you have a severe enough neck injury that you can't wrestle, you're probably not able to play other sports. It's weird because... We've seen this with uh, with athletes that, that we follow in college or NFL. From my understanding, he could physically continue to wrestle, but the doctors are saying it's too dangerous. You know, in baseball, a much different sport. It sounds to me like the, the injury was not really the purpose of him quitting baseball. It sounds to me like maybe he was losing interest, that, that wrestling was the passion. Maybe he played these other sports just because, you know, sometimes right. people will play them to stay in shape or because of a certain crowd that they're hanging out with. But him losing the wrestling thing, his friend, his best friend dying in this car crash, and then his grandfather passing away, like that's a lot to to deal with at that young of an age. You know, she's he's just a sophomore in, in high school. Well, in this case, I think it's very, one, it's fascinating to me because he seems to be on a path and then like you said there's this dark cloud over him there's bad stuff going on in his life there's a lot to take on not to mention that you're becoming an an adult and that's hard enough but there's all these missteps Mm -hmm. but i'm glad look i also think as much as his family has been willing to talk with individuals to try to shed some light on this case to find some answers. I think there's probably some stuff, one that they didn't know about some even darker stuff that was going on that they didn't know about, or they knew about it and they're just not willing to talk publicly about that. Well, and all of this stuff is leading up to some changes in Nico's hanging out with people that his mother didn't love they all kind of agreed that after his sophomore year that Nico needed a change. So it wouldn't hurt him to get away from this crowd he was in. And it sounded like mom and son needed a little space between them as well. So it was arranged for Nico to spend part of the summer after his sophomore year with his mother's sister-in-law, Nico's aunt, who lived in Franklin, Tennessee. And this is important because Tennessee, New York, and also Michigan and Ohio, believe it or not, are all part of this story. So we got multiple states involved in this disappearance, and the Tennessee part starts here. This is him going to live with his aunt and attend school 
in Tennessee. It, it started off as just the summer, but then he seemed to really like it there. And all of the parties agreed that he would stay and attend school, the local high school there for his junior year. The general reports are that it all, the transition all went well at first. Nico was great with his young cousins and was a lifeguard at their pool. But before too long, Nico balked at the rules imposed by his in-laws and started rebelling and had outbursts of anger at them. Very normal teenager stuff, really. There came a point where he didn't come home one night and didn't call. Even though he had had a curfew, he skipped school the next day as well. So after failing to find him on their own and not being able to reach him on his cell phone, his relatives, they called the police. And the police found Nico in a hot tub at a friend's house. And from my understanding, Captain, the way that this goes down in Franklin, Tennessee, is because he wasn't returning their calls, because he didn't attend school, because he didn't come home that night. Nico was considered a runaway and considered truant from school. In that jurisdiction, this required Nico to go to juvie, which, I mean, seems a bit extreme, but that was the case. Well, hold up hay for a second, right? Because, like you said, yeah, arguing with your aunt or arguing with your parental figure, (laughs) that's not out of the norm. That's normal teenage behavior. What's not normal is there's something going on in your life that we're sending you out of state for the summer. And then we're going to then continue to keep you out of state. I mean, and we're talking about a distance from New York to Tennessee. That's a distance. We're going to keep you there so then you could attend school and instantly you're not attending school. And now, like like you said, I think it's extreme because once you get in the system, whether it's juvenile or as an adult, it's hard to get out of the system. Yeah, Nico was placed in a program for teens with anger issues. And according to his mother, Monica, he's diagnosed with some kind of defiant disorder, which I had never heard of before. But he's prescribed medication for this, which he refused to take. So this leads us to February of 2010. This is when his mother, Monica, gets a phone call from Nico, who said that I'm at the airport. Come pick me up. So he had used his in-laws credit card without anyone's permission. He had left school. He got on a plane and he flew home. Nobody knows this until he's calling from the airport for a ride home. Right. So he tells his mom, hey, I'm done with the in-laws. I'm done with their rules. And now he's going to try to settle back into his hometown And he's going to re-enroll in high school there in his hometown. This to finish up the rest of his junior year. Let's fast forward just a moment to current day. Because we're looking back on this. And in hindsight, Monica wonders, his mother wonders, if something happened with something in Tennessee that precipitated a swift departure by Nico. If there was something that went down that she's never been made aware of. Interesting to me because I think this is her pointing out that This activity, him just coming back without any type of permission, seems a little out of character. Like I said, I think the injury to the neck probably has something to do with all this, but I could also see a situation where he gets in trouble right away and he thinks, well, maybe if I go home, it's a clean start. Yeah, and the problems, though, get worse once he gets back. So 
Nico gets back and now he's getting into fights and the police were occasionally required to deal with him. He even spent some time in jail. This after being arrested for what was labeled a burglary. Now, Monica, his mother says Nico was arrested after throwing a brick through a convenience store window and was charged with burglary. I get it. Throw a brick. Maybe did he go in and steal something? I've never heard or read that part of the story. All I've ever seen is that he threw a brick through a window. So some vandalism, you know, you don't want your kids to do this, but again, not a huge deal to me. This is just a very poor choice made by a kid at the end of the day, not a major crime, but Nico being 17, he was charged as a youthful offender. And then I was shocked to hear that Nico ended up serving eight months in jail for this. And even though he was under the age of 18 at that time, it sounds to me like he served. So he's sentenced to serve a year in lockup. Right. And this was not at a juvenile facility. This was at Steuben County Jail. And from my understanding, the terminology down there, a county jail year is eight months of being locked up. And again, even though he's, he's charged as, I don't understand these terms. You charge him as a youthful offender, but he serves at a non-juvenile facility. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But again, he, he got in trouble. You do the crime, you do the time. Again, let's go through this slowly. He's getting into trouble, so we send him off to Tennessee. He seems to do well over the summer, but then doesn't go to class. He is Mark Truant. He is hanging out with some kids in a hot tub. I find that to be strange. And then maybe something happens and he heads back to New York. Hey guys, I'm here. And then he's hanging out with a bunch of, bunch of knuckleheads and they break this. They're basically, they basically destroy property. I don't understand why that is considered a robbery, but from what, from my understanding of it, right, right. Burglary. From my understanding of it, he was offered five years probation and basically the prosecutor and, and and nico and everybody involved is going look how much trouble he's got into in just the last six months he's not going to handle this probation period well so go to jail do the eight months which we consider a year do do that and just move on with your life which again i think this is a bad decision it's weird. I, I don't know what's strange about hot tubbing, but yeah, the, the way that I understand this story to be is that his mother and Nico wanted to fight this burglary charge because that's not what he did, according to Nico. He threw he vandalized the place. He threw a brick through a, a glass window. You're exactly right. They, they're offered five years probation. The defense attorney and Nico's mother and Nico... I think Nico wanted to fight it no matter what, but the mom and the defense attorney are like, yeah, he's probably not staying out of trouble for five years straight. Let's, let's serve this eight months and, and, and get it over with this. So he's going to be locked up with, with what should have been his senior year at high school. So this means he's not going to graduate from high school, but he does earn his GED while he's in jail. And then he was released in May of 2011. Well, I think one of their issues is that he has a lot of problems with authority figures. 
So if he spends this eight months basically <laughs> in lockdown as an adult, he's going to get his GED, he's going to be done with that, and then he can move on with the rest of his life. And he doesn't go. He doesn't have to go back to high school and to deal with the authority figures there. Yeah, when he comes back home, everybody says that he seemed to be happy, but he's he's also breaking the household rules. At some point, him and his mom are not seeing eye to eye. He decides he's going to go stay with his dad for a little while. That seems to be working out great. But again, he's he's a dude that's not going to fall in line with the rules. And it sounds to me like this guy. A needs to grow up. B probably should be out living on his own and figuring out a way to afford it because he he clearly wants to live by his own set of rules, not by mom's rules or not by dad's. Well, and you could learn some type of respect. There's a lot of people that go live out on their own when they're young, 18, 19 years old, and they realize it's difficult. And then they move back home and they show their parents a level of respect. But again, and I hate to keep bringing this up, but I feel like this neck head injury could be part of the reason that he's now hanging out with these these knuckleheads and and thinking he can just run the world on his own. Possibly, yeah. I think it has a lot to do with him being 16 or 17 years old at the time. So this is going to take us to August of 2011. This is a major point here in our timeline. This is when Nico gets a phone call from the local police asking him to come down to the police station. His mother, of course, is furious that we have another police incident on our hands. She drops him off. Keep in mind, pay attention as we go through these events that are leading up to his disappearance. He needed a ride from the airport. He needs a ride to the police station. Nico doesn't drive. Okay, that that's something of importance here. So his mother drives him to the police station. And then Nico calls her and says he's very upset. And he tells his mom, hey, I'm being charged with rape. This is a very strange story, but it makes a lot of sense at the end of the day, as, as far as I'm concerned. What happened was there's this 14-year-old girl who reported the names of several boys that she had had intercourse with. Nico was one of these boys. There were no allegations of any type of forcible intercourse against Nico, but because of the girl's age, 14, she's a minor. She certainly wasn't able to consent as far as that jurisdiction is concerned. She wasn't certain of the date that she slept with Nico, but gave a few different dates. And at least one of those dates puts Nico at the age of 18. Right. They were have a, on again, off again, physical relationship, which started with Nico being a minor. Yes. And from the way that I understand it, and I don't want to get into numbers here, but the way that it's reported, she had had an on again, off again relationship with several other boys as well. And, or young men, uh, as far as the law is concerned, and they were going to be charged with Nico wasn't the only person facing some type of charge. So others face things like reckless endangerment, endangering the welfare of a minor and so on. So Nico's not the only person that's being rounded up by the police because of this situation with this young girl. Some kids making some bad decisions, irresponsible decisions. I think when people bring up this story, it's a statutory rape charge. 
and they say, well, the, the the physical relationship started when he was a minor. Well, even if it started when he was 17, she would have been 13. I, I think that's a bad decision. I think that's too big of an age gap. I understand that they're both minors, but that's, I, I don't know, not not something that I would recommend to you know my children are I or, don't know that she was 13 when the relationship started because we have to keep in mind he's only been in town for 4 months right at, at this point so yeah but no it's not a good idea 14 to 17 almost 18 anyway but I think one thing we need to point out for the listeners and and, and look I'm not the person that gets to decide who did what or we are not the moral police right and I'm not saying that Nico did nothing wrong here but I think what we need to point out is something maybe we need to underline it a little bit. There's no, there's no allegation of forcible sex or anything like that here. There's, it's not this girl running to the police saying this guy raped me. No, this is, this situation actually plays out a lot more than most people would want to hear. It's, this is actually incredibly common. Talk to your local police officer, or if you if you know a, a woman or a man on the force, ask them this question, and you would be surprised how often they get phone calls about this situation or that they are looking into some situation. What typically happens is a father finds out that his daughter is sexually active, right? then finds out that she might be a freshman and some of the, a boy or two might be a senior in high school and Oh, he's 17 or 18 and she's 15. Oh, we're going to press charges. You know, that's typically the way that this thing plays out. This is what it sounds like to me is this situation, but not to, we don't want to linger on this situation too long, but it's important to bring it up because if Nico did in fact decide to take off for whatever reason, this could be part of it, right? He is being accused of being technically a rapist. Right. So of course he's going to be devastated. He's, he's mortified because his name is going to appear in the local paper. He's going to have to register as a sex offender. If he's found guilty of these charges, this dramatically changes his life. And we have to remember too, that he just spent eight months in jail. Well, and I don't want to come to his defense too much because again, shouldn't be hanging out with underage girls. Even if you're 17, don't hang out with a 14 year old. But the information that I have says that he, he he told his mom and the police, look, I slept with her, but I did not know that she was 14. And I found one statement from in one report here that says that the the girl looked it quote, the girl looked way older. And that's not Nico saying that. That is another right. report from other people, from people that weren't charged with anything. So I don't know what that means, but when I hear somebody else say that the girl looked way older and he's telling mom and the police, like, yeah, I, I know what you're accusing me of. Yes. I did have a relationship with her. I did not know that she was 14, but ignorance, there's no room for ignorance in the law. Like we were talking about earlier, he's gone through a rough time, but some of that is stuff out of his control. His, his grandfather passing away. But some of it is in his control, and he's at a time period where he's making his situation worse by making 
bad decisions. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. 
Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we are back. Cheers, mates. Cheers to you, Colonel. Cheers to you, Captain. When we left off, we talked about this rape charge, and this was a situation that Nico was devastated about, but he wasn't running and hiding from it as far as I can see. They have a lawyer that is hired by the family, and Nico and his lawyer made three court appearances over the summer to fight these charges against him. So now we're at September, 2011 and Nico's next court date, his next court appearance was scheduled for October 15th. Right. The following month, as said, Nico is horrified and embarrassed by this rape charge. His, his mom says that uh, socially, yes, he does kind of go into hiding, hunkering down at her house and refusing to go out for a while. She told him, look, dude, you got to get out. You got to get a job or you can't stay here much longer. This leads to an argument. Nico storms out of the house on foot and somehow got to her mother's house. Remember, he's close with his extended family. His grandmother lives outside of Addison. His mom, Monica, to this day, doesn't really know how he got to grandma's house because, again, he doesn't drive. It's conceivable that he walked there but doesn't seem to be likely this is a tough situation because i i find when you have a, a kid especially 16 17 18 years old look we can argue about when you become an adult but i think his maturity level here is pretty pretty low i always feel bad for it's like if a kid got straight A's and decided that he was going to take a year off before going to college to travel and do some self-discovery, people would be okay with that. You get in these situations where a kid is, you know, spend some time in juvie 
doesn't graduate gets a GED and people are so they they almost push them too hard to try to correct the wrongs right away. Go get a job, stand on your own two feet, you know? And sometimes these kids just need some time. Does that make any sense? That's that's my rant. I'm oh, sticking I, to it. I agree 100%. In the eyes of the law and the government, you're an adult at 18. But to me, I've always Look, when I was 18, I was not a man. I, I I know that. When I was 19, not a man. I I consider an adult, a woman or man or what have you, to be somebody that that takes care of their responsibilities and behaves accordingly. Right. And we don't all do that at the same age. We don't all do that at 17. We don't all do that at 21. Unfortunately, I'm sure a lot of us know somebody in their 30s or 40s that is that are still not doing that. Sometimes in their fifties <laughs> and sixties, <laughs> some of you might have a podcast with that person, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. I was talking about myself. No, I'm, oh, okay. I'm, but I think everybody out there understands this. Now, what we have here, captain is we need to point out that the town where he's staying. So he kind of spends a decent amount of time bouncing back and forth from several different extended relatives homes, but they also own a rustic cabin and he's staying at the cabin on and off. So his comings and goings and who he's staying with are a little bit gray here, but that's not very important to our story. What, what is important to our story is the area where he's staying is the area where his mother grew up and she owns a hair salon and her hair salon is in this area. Now, you go to the barbershop, you go to the salon, people are talking, there's a lot of chit chat. So mom is hearing from locals, be it relatives or friends at the salon, what Nico is up to. That's key here. Now, this takes us to Tuesday, September 27th, when mom sees Nico at a family barbecue. Everybody has a great time. Nico's totally normal. Everybody's having a wonderful time. Mom gets to see son. That's on a Tuesday, but by Friday, Nico was gone. Yeah, MIA. So Monica last saw her son at his Aunt Rachel's house for a family barbecue on Tuesday night. He spent the night there. Then on Thursday, September 29th, he babysat his uncle Zach's daughter while Zach and his girlfriend were at work. And after babysitting that night, he goes out. Nico goes out. So Nico is last seen by his family when he shows up at his uncle Zach's house in Addison, New York. This is around 2 p.m. on Friday, September 30th, but he's not alone. He's with a guy named Robbie Knight. Robbie is two years older than Nico. The two told Zach, his uncle, that they were heading to Buffalo to go camping with some girls that they had met online. Since it was late September and it was getting chilly out, Zach calls Monica that evening around 9 p.m. and says, hey, Nico was here getting some stuff and he and this Robbie Knight kid are going camping. So Monica says this was very odd to her because not necessarily that Nico would go camping. We mentioned that he was an outdoorsy type, but that he was hanging out with this Robbie. So Robbie is Robert better known as Robbie, Nicholas Neal Knight III. That's a lot of names for one person. Yeah. He was a classmate 
and friend of Nico's older brother, Joe. Monica didn't let Joe go to Robbie's house when Joe was in high school. And she didn't let Robbie come to her house either because Robbie had a reputation and his house, I guess, was known as a teen party house, a party spot for teenagers. Robbie's parents lived in Michigan. He was living at his grandparents' house in Jasper, New York. I guess he had like the run of the house as far as his grandparents were concerned. And so he's allowed to have all these other kids over and it turns into a party house. Monica was aware of this. So Nico's older brother, Joe, not allowed to hang out with Robbie. So Monica, what she's saying, Captain, is not surprised about the camping thing, but surprised that she would hang out, that he would be hanging out with this Robbie guy. Well, I'm going to say something that, that is my gut feeling. My gut feeling too is it's a little odd that he's going to go camping with these girls because he does have this lingering charge, this statutory rape charge that he's going to be facing. And like, like you said, this can really disrupt his whole life. Uh, he is very concerned about having to be a registered sex offender for the rest of his life. I mean, that, that would be devastating for anybody. So I, I do think that's a little strange as well. Monica, she tries calling her son, trying trying to get a hold of Nico. He's not answering her calls. So she texts him saying, hey, look, I know you are at my house today because your the door to your room is left open and your shoes are gone. What else did you take from my house? And Nico responds, clothes, duh. Monica, again, she's trying to get in touch with her son phone call or text. But by the time he finally responds via text, it's now like 11 PM at night. So Monica is going to go to bed, but what she doesn't realize at this time, this would be the last exchange that she would have with her son. So the next day without hearing from her son, Monica was left to wonder how Robbie and her son, Nico were going to get to Buffalo. Because again, Nico didn't drive. He didn't have a car. Meanwhile, Monica didn't know this, but Nico and Robbie drove out of Addison in a gold 2004 GMC Canyon extended cab pickup truck with New York plates. Zach, her brother, Monica's brother, said that he saw the truck when the boys stopped at his place around 2 p.m. on that Friday, the day before, right? And Nico tells his uncle that Robbie borrowed this truck from Robbie's grandfather. Zach says Robbie's driving the truck when he saw them. So he didn't question anything. He, he didn't know Robbie didn't know Robbie's situation, but the super weird thing here is the truck was recently stolen from a driveway from a home on Steuben street in Addison. So the two dudes, Robbie and Nico are in this stolen truck. So the GMC Canyon, the, the, the truck, has taken on a very important role in this case for reasons we will certainly get into. But what, would, what do we know about missing person cases? It's hard to find a person sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's like a needle in a haystack. What's easier to find for law enforcement? Vehicles. A vehicle. Law enforcement love when a vehicle is involved in any type of investigation that they have going on because they can track vehicles. Vehicles are much easier to find. And then we know a lot about the vehicle. It's reported stolen. We already gave a description of it. 
The New York plate on the truck was EGY7316. These two guys, Nico and Robbie, are driving around in the stolen truck. And that appears to be the method that they're going to use to get to Buffalo. Well, wasn't this vehicle also stolen pretty close to where the hair salon is that Monica owns? Well, yes, that's part of the whole story here. So on Saturday the 1st, at this time, Nico is believed to have gone camping, right? Monica believes her son and Robbie went off camping. They don't know about the stolen truck yet. What happens is Monica goes to work. She's working in Addison, where her mother and her brother, Zach, both live, where, as you pointed out, the same place where the vehicle was stolen from. Nico had been staying in the cabin and bouncing around in that area for some time leading up to the vehicle being stolen. So while she's at work that day, she's doing a customer's hair. Someone mentioned a truck that was stolen the previous day. Monica ends up saying that she's hearing about this truck and immediately this is where motherly instinct, this is where gut checks in and and tells you something is not great here. The spidey sense goes off. She gets a sinking feeling. She reads a description of the truck. And then she calls her brother and asks what type of vehicle the boys were driving. And the description that her brother gives her is exactly that of the truck that was reported stolen. So now she's freaking out and she wants to get a hold of her son, but she can't. She ends up obtaining a phone number for Robbie Knight's grandparents' house. She calls them. And this is when Robbie's grandmother tells her that she had dropped Robbie off at Monica's family cabin a week earlier. So this is shocking to Monica too. So this means that Robbie had been staying at her family's property without anyone's knowledge. And because Nico was bouncing around from house to house, this also means that Robbie may have been staying there even without Nico on occasion that week. Yeah. Overall, it's just a bad situation. Of course, Monica asked the grandmother, hey, was Robbie allowed to take your husband's truck? And of course, the answer is no, my husband, does. we don't own a truck. Right. So that's further confirmation that her son and his now new friend, Robbie, are, they have something to do with this stolen truck. What's even more strange, though, is the grandmother tells Monica that when she dropped Robbie off to stay at that cabin a week earlier, he says to her before getting out of the vehicle, I'm giving you your life back, which, of course, to you and I. Sounds like goodbye, I'm I'm leaving town or I've I've been a problem for you, grandma. Uh, thanks for the ride here, but I'm giving you your life back. Yeah. Suicide or starting my life over somewhere else. Maybe this kid, you know, he's two years older than Nico. So he's about 20 at the time. Maybe he thinks that they're going to live in this cabin. Well, here's something I can't find. And maybe you found this information. Statutory rape charges. We talked about that. There was other, other boys involved. Was Robbie one of the other boys? I I don't have a list of the names of the others that were charged, but my suspicion is no, because I think that if that were the case, it would would have been talked about. Yes, it would be talked about because Robbie is talked about a lot 
in this story uh, a lot uh, in the disappearance of Nico. My thought was that possibly that they're both facing the same charge and they both didn't want to deal with it. Both thought they were going to have to be registered sex offenders and Hey, let's just go off to my grandma's cabin and we'll both start all, all over, but we don't have to start all over by ourselves. We can start all over together. But not a good not a good start when you steal a vehicle. Well, and from my understanding, like the keys were in this truck and they they probably went around either Robbie by himself or Nico by himself or the two of them together, went around checking door handles and found some cars unlocked and found this one with the keys still in it and decided to take it. There's there's a whole bunch of questions here, right? When we look at the stolen truck and the stolen truck is one of the most important parts of this story. The most important parts is one, where the hell is Nico Two, why is Nico and Robbie hanging out and what are they up to together and why this stolen vehicle, right? Because we know that they tell Zach, uncle Zach, Hey, we're going to Buffalo to meet these girls that we met online. We're going to go camping with them. That sounds very normal to me, but what we have to question here is, do they steal the truck in order to get the Buffalo or did they decide to get out of town because they stole the truck chicken or the egg? So Monica, what she ends up doing is she calls the police and this is for two reasons. One, she's eager to find her son, but she also wants to do the right thing. So she reports, Hey, this truck that was reported stolen, I have reason to believe that my son who is missing that we're trying to get in touch with that won't call us back, that he and one of his friends, Robbie, are involved in the stolen truck. And maybe again, if you guys find the truck, you'll find my son. Right. Because like what we've said, so much easier to find a vehicle than just to find a, a, just a, per, a missing person. But at this point, you're more worried about his safety We'll, we'll deal with the charges of him stealing a vehicle. I, I couldn't imagine what she is going through and what the rest of his family is going through. They're going, this this is just, he's not acting like we think he should. Right. And he's doing things that we don't think he should be doing. And we, and we don't know why, and we don't know why he's hanging out with this person at this point. You have to be very concerned. You have to be scared. You're very concerned. and But I want to give some kudos to Monica, to Nico's mother, because her thinking in this moment, to me, is incredibly level-headed. I think that the most good citizen, most good responsible parents out there would all agree. I would rather my child be safe and face the consequences, and I know where they are, Rather than, uh, I'm not going to report that he, that he might have stolen this vehicle. I'm not going to. I'm not going to tip off the police that maybe my son's up to no good. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think she's doing the right thing. So what happens here, Captain, is now that we get the police involved, and again they're they're going to start getting some hits on this truck, and so they have her come down to the police department. This is a couple days later. They say, hey, we need you to review some footage that we found, and we need you to tell us if it's Nico in the footage or not. So they have grainy surveillance photos that were taken the morning of September 30th. 
And in these photos, it's Nico and Robbie on security camera at a 24-hour Wegmans in Rochester, New York. This is at 4 a.m. in the morning. And then they're on another camera footage at a truck stop in Canona, I think is how you say it, New York. So Monica's reviewing this, this footage or the photos with police officers, and she says, that is certainly, I, I'm, I'm certain that that is my son that are in both of these images. So the investigators tell Monica that the boys purchased chips and energy drinks. It really looks like that it was just a pit stop at both of these stops. They're purchasing these items through a stolen, stolen credit card, right? That I don't know. I think, I think there was a credit card. I could be wrong, but I think there was a credit card that's attached to this vehicle. So not only did they know that they had this, they stole this vehicle, but there was a credit card or something like that in the truck that they're using. That would make a lot of sense for the reasons that they were able to find this footage so quickly, because these are places that are not, you know, they're out of town. Both, uh, both these places are out of town. And so then they use Nico's phone records. Police determined that Nico and Robbie drove to Rochester first which is about a 45-minute drive from where Nico's family lives. Then they drove back to the Jasper-Addison area, where he's from, and then on to Canona, which is 45 minutes away. And then they drove around Nico's hometown area as well. Then they go right across the border. Remember, they're close to the Pennsylvania line. They go right across the border into Pennsylvania, and they're driving around there. This is all before showing up at his uncle's house at 2, at 2 in the afternoon on that, you know, the last time that he's Nico's ever seen by a family member. Well, and this is a truck too. So this is costing a lot of money and gas. Well, what's amazing to me here, captain, is it's all of this travel and driving around in Addison as well. It's like they stole the truck and then drove nonstop. And then they get to the uncle's house. All of this driving around in a stolen truck is to me is practically begging to get arrested. Right. This is going to lead us to October 1st. Nico's mother, Monica, does not know this, but on Saturday, October 1st, Robbie turns up at his father's house in Romulus, Michigan. This is 420 miles from Addison, New York. Robbie's father finds him asleep, this after returning home from work at 11 a.m. Robbie's girlfriend later reported that Robbie had arrived in Romulus between 6 and 10 a.m. that day. Robbie told his family that Nico dropped him off and then Nico left. But Robbie's grandmother later told Monica that Robbie told him that Nico had held a gun to his head and demanded that Robbie hand over his phone, his cash, which was only $7, and his clothing. Monica says she never knew her son to have any guns, so she finds this to be weird. Robbie's phone was on his grandfather's plant, and the family promptly shuts off service to this phone because if he did rob Robbie, if Nico did rob him of his phone, then he would be in possession of his phone. Monica finds this out, and now she's trying to find Nico. So she's like, well, cool. I will, I will call the stolen phone. 
But that's not going to work because as soon as they are told that Nico steals this phone, which we, we need to be clear here, this is all alleged activity. Like this is Robbie saying this. We have no one to confirm that any of this stuff actually happened. What we do know is Robbie does not seem to be in possession of his phone and it's shut off before Monica can use it as a means of getting a hold of her son. But we have nobody, no eyewitness that saw Nico in Michigan, right? Correct. Other than Robbie saying that Nico had dropped him off and left. And it's hard. There's a, there's a part of you, I think, that wants to believe Robbie, but at the same time, he, with Nico, stole somebody's truck and drove around in it. And like I said, f- from my information, they were using a stolen credit card. So they have no problem stealing stuff from people. If you have no problem with stealing stuff from people, you probably have no problem with lying to cover your ass on some things. Exactly. And this all leads up to Nico, his grandmother, again, who he was extremely close with. She calls Nico's phone around 5 p.m. on the first of the month. Nico actually answers the phone, which he had not done in more than 24 hours of his mom calling him and trying to get a hold of him. Right. He tells grandma, I can't talk right now and I'll call you back. Nico never calls back, which is incredibly out of character is what everybody says. But keep in mind, I I don't know how out of character it is in the moment. He's not answering mom's calls, but the, this brief interaction with Nico, this is the last interaction that anyone in Nico's family would have with him. After that, the phone was shut off. What an interesting case. Make sure you tell your friends. Make sure you share on social media. And join us back here in the garage tomorrow. Until then. Be good, be kind, and don't litter. you are bpm's high sweat dripping body moving tongue panting you're working hard real hard and you're thirsty you need vitamins nutrients for peak performance and energy and your plants do too oh i mean just look at the little guy water soluble plant food from miracle grow is full of essential nutrients just a little scoop into your watering can and boom instant feeding and bigger more beautiful plants it's kind of like a sports drink for your plants you may have to suffer from heat but your plants do not 